All right, it is the Situation Update for Friday, May 20th, 2022. Mike Adams here. Thank you for joining me. I don't even drink coffee, but I feel like I need two or three cups right now to get through all of this. It's late. It's really late because I've been studying a material that I'm going to bring you today that, that's pretty bombshell. I've had conversations with sources today. I've spent hours on the phone asking people questions, uh, reading through translations, having people vet all this material. So let me just lay it out for you, and um, you can decide what to make of all of this. So this concerns, well, a couple of things, but, but first off, this so-called leaked recording, this war mobilization meeting that is said to have taken place in the southern war zone of the People's Liberation Army, the Guangdong province, where these war leaders, generals, and so on are discussing their plans for a war. And there are, uh, well, war mobilization, converting the entire China economy over to wartime economic output. They are talking about a flotilla of hundreds of cargo craft. Uh, what else are they talking about? There, there are so many things here. There are drone production, satellite warfare, they're also talking about uh, civil unrest and mass riots in Chinese cities that they will have to put down using their police forces. Uh, it's as if they are anticipating China being invaded uh, after China stages its own invasion of someone else. And we're going to talk about who that might be. There are many interpretations to this, and there are some skeptics who say that the secret recording, which was originally leaked by uh, Lude Media, L-U-D-E, uh, which, you know, you know the Lude Media is uh, allied with uh, Steve Bannon and the War Room, and, and it's, it's an anti-CCP uh, group, well, organization led by a former uh, CCP uh, uh, business giant who has come out and he, he's trying to expose the CCP and take down the CCP. So they have leaked this recording. Now, we have not yet, and to my knowledge, nobody has yet authenticated the specific voices in the recording as belonging to specific, uh, you know, CCP or PLA uh, generals or, or leaders. And if you listen to this, it, it, it's it's difficult to listen to even if you speak Chinese. And I mean, even if you are a native speaker of Chinese, because this these are mostly older guys talking with, uh, you know, a very, how, how would you say, kind of a kind of an older mainland Chinese accent with uh, using a lot of military code words and phrases, kind of a shortening of things. So this is clearly not meant for the public, and it's it's very difficult for anyone to really understand what they're saying. However, uh, Jennifer Zhang has uh, posted a full translation, a transcript and translation of this. That is at jenniferzhengblog.com. I'll spell that for you. It's Jennifer, Z-E-N-G, uh, Zheng, uh, that's how you would say it, jenniferzhengblog.com. She's posted this, and again, the title is called a war mobilization meeting of the Southern War Zone of the PLA, Guangdong province in the state of war. Now, you might wonder, what does this have to do with you? Well, here's where this gets interesting. So one of the people I spent quite a bit of time with 
yesterday evening on the phone in a private conversation was J.R. Nyquist. And what he had to tell me was so compelling that I invited him on for a live interview today at 2 p.m. Central, where I am hosting the Alex Jones show. That's going to be Infowars.com. Uh, they have another URL. I think it's Battle. What is it? Battleplan.news. So <laughs> I, they have a new URL that you can share. I think that might be it. Anyway, uh, you can watch this 2 p.m. Central, Infowars.com. I'm going to have J.R. Nyquist on as a guest, and I'm going to cover as much of this as we can, although one hour is not nearly enough time. But what J.R. Nyquist has concluded from this also layered in with his extensive knowledge of communist China, their war posturing, as well as uh, Russia and the old Soviet Union, Jared Nyquist has seemingly concluded that what these Chinese military leaders are actually discussing is an imminent land invasion of the United States using hundreds, perhaps 900 plus uh, cargo craft that are disguised as a flotilla of merchant ships, in other words, you know, container ships, but are actually carrying military personnel, uh, equipment, and so on. And there's actually a list of what they're loading onto the ships that's in this meeting audio. I'm going to read that for you here coming up. But J.R. Nyquist is, uh, he, he seems to believe that this indicates what I've called a Chinese D-Day, a, a Chinese attack on... Uh, the continental United States, and that the timing of this, according to information that Nyquist has so far, now, just for the record, Nyquist is still being cautious about this because there are efforts still underway to vet the the voices, you know, to try to authenticate and match the voices on this recording. But he believes that there's there is information pointing to a potential target date of the 1st of November of this year. Although this recording does not specifically name the United States as the target, just, just to be clear. Now, one of the big ahas from, from this is the fact that there is confirmation from J.R. Nyquist that Russia and China are working together to conquer the United States. This is something I've mentioned just from my own analysis and, and other sources. I concluded that a lot of the Russia operation in Ukraine was really a, a fixing operation designed to uh, pull uh, America's and, and Canada's and Western Europeans' military assets into the Ukrainian theater of war. And the purpose of this was to make the Western coastline of North America, both Canada and the United States, highly vulnerable to a D-Day invasion landing by Chinese forces. So we now have confirmation that that this that Russia and China are working together. And if you go to look at the joint statements that have been issued by China and Russia, there was a meeting, I believe it was a February 4th meeting between China's President Xi and uh, Putin. And then there were some public statements released after that meeting, which indicated that uh, Xi and Putin, all they agree on all of the ideological issues, but that privately behind the scenes, they were agreeing on a global battle plan to take out their great enemy, which 
they, they share as the great enemy is the United States of America from their point of view. So uh, there was also a meeting last year between China and Russia where they were developing these plans. But what it looks like is happening right now is that the, the Russian operation in Ukraine is a giant feint that, I mean, yes, Russia wants to take the Donbass region and it, and it wants Crimea and it wants the port of Odessa and so on. But the bigger picture is that Russia is actually the distraction to occupy U.S. military forces and pull them into that front so that, like I said, China can invade the United States and achieve a, a landing on the West Coast while also pulling troops down from Canada into Washington state and invading from the, uh, the southern regions, uh, Southern California, across the, the southern border from Mexico. Now, I also interviewed yesterday, I interviewed John Moore, the Liberty Man, and he had just also spoken with J.R. Nyquist. Now, John Moore has his own contacts in uh, military intelligence and in U.S. naval intelligence and uh, uh, throughout the intelligence community and a lot of retired you know, military veterans and so on. And John Moore told me in this interview publicly, we're going to publish this, I'm not putting words in, in his mouth, uh, that he believed that should this invasion occur, that Chinese troops would successfully be able to invade and conquer the entire western half of the United States all the way to the Rocky Mountains. Uh, basically, the, think the Continental Divide. Everything west of that would be China-occupied territory. Everything east of that would still be the United States of America, well, whatever's left of it. And that John Moore told me he believed that Joe Biden would be prepared to surrender to China. And that all of this could happen this year, or at least it could begin this year, although the battle might rage for, for several years. You can imagine there would be fierce resistance against a Chinese invasion in places like, oh, I don't know, Idaho. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to mess with Idaho, right? You don't want to mess with, uh, what, Montana. You don't want to mess with even Utah or Arizona, for that matter. And if they make it as far as Texas, well, they're going to have a real fight on their hands in Texas. But I, I, what I'm trying to do is lay out for you the scenarios that are, that are currently being discussed and all of this stems from this recording. So we're going to go through some of the details of this recording. I'm going to give you other kind of connect the dots based on other sources of intel that I've spoken with, other, other people, other phone calls. I put a lot of time into researching this. The thing is, I just want to reiterate up front that we have not yet confirmed the authenticity of the voices in this recording. So this could there's a potential that this could be some kind of elaborate prank, although it doesn't sound like it. Uh, it but there is a possibility that maybe these guys are in a room running, I don't know, a, a war game simulation or something. There, there you know, this is not a hundred percent certainty that this is their plan, but this sounds authentic. And when you hear what I'm going to mention to you from the recordings, you know, the details are, are really um, kind of shocking of, of, that they seem to align with the plans of China and Russia and what's, what's even happening in Ukraine right now. And also China's uh, behavior of stockpiling grains 
you know, buying up the world's supply of wheat and corn and soy and so on. That is entirely consistent with what you're going to hear coming up in this podcast. So as we get into this, just keep in mind that the, the Biden administration is run in part by communist China. The, the Biden crime family is owned by the CCP because of the blackmail material that they have on you know Hunter Biden. If you thought his laptop was bad, <laughs> uh, you should see what what China has on him. I mean, they've they've got the Biden family completely blackmailed. So the theory is that China could invade the United States because the military would be told to stand down by the commander in chief, which is well currently claimed to be Joe Biden, but it's not actually. I mean, President Trump is still the president. It's just that Biden is, you know, faking like he's the president. Uh, but could Biden tell the military to stand down and allow America to be invaded? Well, George Bush did it on 9-11, told the military to stand down, and they did. And then we were attacked in a false flag operation. But this, what we're talking about now, a Chinese invasion of America is not just a false flag. This is, this is the invasion and occupation of the continental United States. And we would have to hope that there are some sane people still in the, the Pentagon or the command structure or the Navy who would say, you know, screw the chain of command. We're not going to stand down. We're going to start attacking this flotilla of invading ships that are making their way to the West Coast. But who knows? This is probably why Barack Obama got rid of all the military commanders in, in the Pentagon who are pro-America. And so has Biden. I mean, they've turned everything against us. You know, it's it's almost over for the United States because of all the treason, all the traitors, the Democrat Party, the regulations, all of it. But I mean, would they just stand by and allow China to invade and destroy America? Probably, probably. I mean, Democrats destroy everything else. They hate America. Of course, they would work with communist China because they love communism. So anyway, getting to this, the transcript of this meeting. Uh, here we go. This is going to be quite lengthy, but I, I, I've picked out some passages that, I mean, I couldn't read the whole thing. It would take hours, but I'm just going to give you some snapshots, some snippets here that, that are going to blow your mind. But just the intro is, quote, the main purpose of the expanded meeting of the standing committee is to convey the instructions of the superior order, clarify the intention, study the situation, and clarify the main work and general requirements of the normal to war transition. So what they're talking about here is that China is being shifted from a normal economy to a wartime economy. And this is critical to understand because in World War II, the United States shifted from a regular economy to a wartime economy to produce tanks and airplanes and all the material and all the food and the bullets and everything, the ships, you name it, in order to win World War II. America was the industrial hub of the world. Today, that's China. So China is preparing to transition their factories over to wartime production. In fact, according to my sources, this has already begun. This is what the lockdowns were about. The lockdowns were really about a command and control test to make sure that China could control its economies and could control its people, control all the means of production, and in fact, right now, the transition has begun for many Chinese manufacturing uh, factories, companies, and so on. They are being 
transition into wartime production right now. And the other thing I learned in my research on this, and uh, J.R. Nyquist confirmed this, is that the shutdown of the, the city of Shanghai and Beijing that was blamed on the virus, of course it had nothing to do with the virus at all, something I've always suspected. I mean, does it never made any sense. You're going to lock down a city of 26 million people because, what, 20 people have tested positive for something, really? One in a million has it? No. The lockdown was really about seizing control of the ports and using them, having the military use them to load ships, the cargo ships, with all of the military equipment and assets in preparation for this Chinese D-Day invasion that's coming. So the, the port of Shanghai has not actually been locked down. It's just been locked down to regular commercial traffic. It's been in full operation for military preparedness. At least that's what I'm, that's what I'm told. And a similar situation with the factories in Beijing. But let me continue from this transcript. Quote, first, the construction of a national defense mobilization command system. Second, the implementation of a wartime work mechanism. See, that's, that's converting the economy over to wartime. Third, wartime control preparation. And so it, it goes into many areas, but let's talk about the ships, the cargo ships, and how they're preparing the ships for a D-Day invasion. Now, remember this document, uh, the, actually the meeting does not specifically name the United States as the target. They talk about the South China Sea area. They do talk about Taiwan, but they don't specifically talk about a land invasion of Taiwan. It is inferred from this transcript that they must be talking about invading the United States, but it cannot be proven. So that, that part is, is conjecture. We don't yet know for sure. But here's what they talk about. From the transcript, commanders, regarding the formation of the fleet and the distribution of personnel and equipment, we are prepared to arrange it in this way. First, equip the ships with st strong cadres. According to the different support items and specific uses, they are formed into three brigades, 45 squadrons, 135 detachments. We have prepared 231 cadres to accompany the ships. Three of them are in regimental positions, 45 battalion positions, and 183 other military cadres. Now, between you and me, I don't know what China means by a cadre exactly. I don't know how many ships that is. Maybe, maybe some of you listening know better than I do on that. I don't, what does a cadre mean in, in China's PLA? I'm not sure. But you look at the numbers, I mean, 135 detachments, 45 squadrons, three brigades. What, what does that come to? That's a lot of ships, one way or another. Okay, second. Optimize the ship's militia. Equip them with the main crew, veterans, and equipment in a mixed mode. The transportation ships are mainly manned with defense forces, medical personnel, and correspondence. 10,000-ton ships are equipped with a platoon, 1,000-ton ships with a squad, and 100-ton ships with a squad. Each group of the militia is mainly composed of defense forces and main equipment operators. Third, load the ships with high-tech equipment. Follow the latest task needs of the maritime militia and equip the militia with a variety of unmanned equipment, radars, sonar, and high-tech equipment. Altogether, there are more than 2,000 sets. End of report. So 
they're talking about 10,000 ton ships. And of course, ships are rated by the their displacement. So a 10,000 ton ship displaces 10,000 tons of water. I don't know how many men a ship of that size can hold, but they say they're going to put a platoon on there. Okay. Seems like they could put more, but and then thousand ton ships are going to have a squad. All right. The next section that I picked out, the provincial military regions should work together with relevant industry authorities to further dig deeper into the transformation, reconnaissance, and early warning network attack and defense, search and rescue, cross-sea delivery. You see that cross-sea delivery? Because they're going to be shipping materials across the ocean, right? And other resource potentials in new domains and new systems to ensure that the best resources for the final battle, to ensure that best resources are utilized, to ensure a strategic victory. Now, they're talking about the final battle, the, the grand battle. And we've heard from previous Chinese generals, such as uh, Hao Tian, that the final battle would be the battle to destroy America, to conquer North America, take over the farmland, so that China could expand its empire by being able to feed its people using, you know, the, the heartland of America. Because China's had a lot of floods and they've had very poor harvests because of that. And that, that has to do with weather weapons too. But China can't currently feed its population just using its own domestic farm uh, uh, farmland, mostly because of unreliable weather. But if China had more diverse geography in terms of farmland where they controlled present-day America and maybe some, some land in Europe and some land in Africa and so on, then they would have more diverse geography and they would be able to produce more food and feed their people and expand their operation and eventually dominate planet Earth, which is their plan. Uh, however, I do want to mention that the section I just read for you is indicative of a kind of mainland Chinese uh, boastfulness which is a style of speaking that is it's very well known in China, kind of a, an authoritarian regime where every military leader is trying to sound overly impressive. Like, you know, uh, uh, yep. Commanders. Yes. We, we're going to defeat the enemy. We're, we're going to conquer the, the world. We're going to launch rockets. We're, you know, it, it's this kind of boastful attitude, which may or may not, be based on reality, but it's a way of speaking in China that is traditional. It's, it's a lot, there's a lot of talk in, especially in military circles in China, where like, we are the best, we are the strongest, we are the most mighty, you know, dear leader. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like North Korean style to an extent. So you got to take some of this with a grain of salt. They may be just kind of boasting, but it might not be actually what what they're claiming here just just keep that in mind you know they'll tend to inflate numbers for example but you also see this right now in the war in ukraine you know you see ukraine rolling out all these claims every day that are absurd like on monday we destroyed 479 russian tanks you know like there weren't even 479 tanks in the country <laughs> it's like if you add up all the claims of what kiev says they destroyed that it would be like 10 times the size of the Russian army already. You know, we shot down 57 planes and, and SU-24 bombers or whatever. 
that nah, it's it's all made up, or at least it's it's exaggerated. And and China does the same thing, and frankly, so does America. But let me continue from the transcript, and you you can decide for yourself whether you think they're they're boasting or or if they're talking about real numbers here. Here we go. Quote, as to the 2,000 plus pieces of high-tech equipment, 480 drones and 70 unmanned boats are currently secured in place. We need to seize the moment to transfer. So what do they mean 70 unmanned boats? That, that struck a question mark with me. 70 unmanned boats? Are these drone boats? What, what are they talking about? Um, he continues, as to the drone, the monthly production capacity of the province's mobilization center Shenzhen, Kuwaitai, uh, Dongguan is 80. We also urgently mobilize Shenzhen smart drone, SMD, uh, Dongguan, Guangzhou, Hepeng, and other nine companies with this production capacity to support, to push, to push this forward. Superiors asked us to mobilize 21 network attack and control detachments. We've mobilized 15. Now, get this. This is getting into the cyber warfare section here. With a current shortage of six detachments and 60 people, we also lack 32 attack and control system industry network expert talents. Our advice is to mobilize Qianxin, Huawei, Tencent, and other key high-tech enterprises So, uh, and enhance the corresponding distribution to meet the needs of the troops. Notice they're, they're citing Huawei. Now, Huawei is the maker of the the cell phone, uh, cell towers, the routing equipment, you know, the, the, the telecommunications equipment that Trump, I think, had banned in the United States because Huawei was being used to infiltrate and spy on Western telecommunications networks because China made the hardware and they put spy chips into the hardware. So what what these generals, whoever they are, are realizing is that they've got to mobilize Huawei to, quote, meet the needs of the troops. Maybe, now, maybe they're just talking about chip production in this case, but they could also be talking about cyber warfare. That's what it seems they're talking about because they're saying they're short of, uh, what, attack and control system industry network expert talents. I mean, that might be a, an awkward translation, but that's what, the, that's what it says. But it seems like they, they need more cyber warfare hackers and that they're 32 short. I wonder how many they have. So in addition to cyber warfare, they talk about satellite and space warfare. And here we go from that. Quote, in terms of network support mobilization, we need to seize the time and ensure the quality and quantity of the tasks. The new domain and new system areas also include space support. Our province has strong commercial satellite production and assembly capabilities, and Guangzhou has a full industrial chain of commercial space. In Shenzhen, we can find all satellite-supporting enterprises. Commander, at, president, at present, we rely on Zhuhai Orbita, Shenzhen Aerospace, Dongfang Hong Satellite Company. What is this? Foshan Deliya. I'm not sure if that's the right name and Jihua Laboratory, and have formed four satellite detachments. We have in total 16 low-orbit satellites. Got that? 16 satellites with 0.5 to 10 meters global remote ultra-high optical resolution sensing and imaging capabilities. What they mean is that in these 16 low-orbit satellites that they control, 
that they are able to image the ground down to a resolution of half a meter per pixel with some of them up to 10 meters per pixel. But, you know, the, the precise ones are half a meter per pixel. So they've got 16 satellites right now. In addition, it says we must do a good job in wartime emergency production preparations, mastering the commercial satellite industry chain and supply chain in conjunction with relevant enterprises and material reserves, production line, pre-production, and so on. In other words, they're stockpiling the materials to make satellites and drones. So, you know, once again, China's planning ahead. They're stockpiling food. They're stockpiling rare earth minerals. They're stockpiling raw materials. They are stockpiling pre-production elements and, and, and circuitry in order to launch more satellites. While the U.S. is stockpiling nothing, the U.S. is sending everything over to Ukraine. <laughs> and, and the U.S. has, you know, a barely functioning supply chain because the U.S. leadership it, it was really put in place to make America fail so that China could invade. All right. Now, here's something else that, that I found. Just a couple more areas, and then we'll go to the uh, the full analysis here. But I found a section on embedded Chinese agents that I thought you would find fascinating because it talks about how China has their agents embedded in corporations and institutions and governments, organizations all over the world, and that all of these people are going to be activated during the Chinese invasion. So here's, here's what it says in the transcript. Overseas mobilization is an important support for the strategic decisive victory against Taiwan, they say. We should give full play to the advantages that we have many Chinese people in overseas from our province in many state-owned and private enterprises in overseas countries and many economic and trade cooperations with countries along the Belt and Road Project. We should take the way of using civilians to cover and support the military, combine the hidden and visible channels, and mobilize the acquisition of high-end chips precision machinery, special materials, and other materials that are in short supply domestically, as well as strategic reserves such as grain, minerals, and other bulk materials to break the dilemma of the Western Alliance's siege on our strategic materials during the war. Now, actually, I, I probably read these out of order, but what that paragraph is talking about is how China is stockpiling in order to avoid having their supply chains cut off like what the West has done to Russia or tried to do to Russia, but failed. But listen to this next paragraph. Quote, we will, we will mobilize overseas Chinese and overseas Chinese organizations to actively participate in supporting our military operations. Got it? So all the Chinese that are overseas are going to be activated to support the military operation. We should increase the effort to introduce special professionals and strive to use all resources worldwide to ensure that our foreign aid is fruitful, efficient, and effective. What they're saying is when they bribe, you know, Governor Newsom of California, they want to make sure that that, that pays off for them. Now, how was Governor Newsom bribed? Do you recall the details on that? Because I've covered it maybe over a year ago. Remember the deal? So there are a couple of, of crazy deals, but one of them was that Governor Newsom under the pandemic emergency, sent $1 billion to a Chinese electric car 
manufacturer that was not well known at all. And it was supposed to be a billion dollars for masks. That's right. That's right. N95 masks. And the masks never got delivered. And nobody followed up in the media because if you asked the questions, you were going to be shut down. What I was told by sources over a year ago, maybe this was almost a year and a half ago by now, is that Newsom, that he sent a billion dollars of California's taxpayer money to this company. It was laundered through China. Half of that came back to Newsom in the form of uh, gold and supplies, uh, some crypto and you know other, other assets. I don't know all the details, but he got $500 million back as his own little, you know, fiefdom supply his own little kickback there and he he's been stockpiling gold and all kinds he's got his own private army too there in california people on the payroll who can run rifles little special operators you know to protect newsom the communist and that this was all paid for by california taxpayers the masks never showed up and the story vanished this story completely vanished but Newsom has been taking kickbacks from China because China has been bribing people like Newsom to allow China to land their troops on the beaches of California. That's part of the D-Day invasion that looks like it's coming. So Governor Newsom is going to stand down California's National Guard. So if you're listening to this and you're in California's National Guard, just understand that Newsom is going to order you to your death he will not allow you to defend California. Whatever orders he gives you will be designed to have you killed and exterminated when uh, China launches its D-Day invasion, starting with California. China's going to steamroll across California in no time with armor, with artillery, and especially with drones. And then they're going to have their cyber warfare forces taken down, you know, telecommunications, power grid, whatever. Newsom thinks he's going to be rewarded with some kind of leadership position in the new China-occupied America. But in reality, Newsom is going to end up being executed by the, the communist Chinese because, of course, he's a traitor to his own country. In fact, John Moore and I talked about that in our interview. You'll, you'll hear that soon. Now, here's the part about all this that kind of threw me for a loop which was that these Chinese generals were also talking about the risk of civil unrest in China. So from the transcript, quote, when studying the defensive operations program, we mainly focus on three principles. And I skipped the first two because it didn't matter. But third, adhere to the bottom line thinking and fully anticipate the situation of our key targets being attacked by the enemy and the mega city unrest and other emergencies, assign forces to respond properly. And for those assigned forces, there are two options. First, the main focus is on maintaining stability and suppressing chaos, especially for large-scale riots that could happen in Guangzhou and Shenzhen, the two mega cities. So these two cities, by the way, are, I mean, this is the area real close to Hong Kong. And what China is anticipating is once China launches this war against America or perhaps Taiwan or war in the South China Sea, there's going to be a mass uprising of you know, domestic protests because the Chinese people, they don't want to get nuked in some World War III nuclear exchange 
you know, missile strike or something. So there's going to be a lot of protests in China. So they say that the Chinese leaders are saying, quote, mobile armed police forces should be used in a unified manner to quickly respond to emergencies and maintain social stability. And then they say, secondly, they have to highlight the importance of target defense. Part of the elite forces should be deployed ahead of time to enhance the defense of the sub-districts, focus on guarding and fast counter-strike capabilities. Provincial level should have control of part of the elite to support sub-districts dealing with urgent issues quickly. Basically, they're talking about QRFs. These are quick reaction forces of domestic... Uh, military elite in China that are going to be putting down any uprisings in the Chinese cities. So what China's actually talking about here is using the military to kill their own citizens who protest the war. So that tells you something about how seriously China is taking this whole thing. I mean, they're, they're openly saying that they should pre-deploy these elite forces and just start killing their own citizens. That's what this really means. When they say, you know, dealing with urgent issues quickly, yeah, they mean shoot them. <laughs> that's, that's in Chinese, like, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's clearly what they mean. Okay. All right, one more section from the transcript, and this is the final section that I'm going to share with you here. You're going to find this shocking. Here it is. First, we need to strengthen the protection in the political field Look at the recent several regional wars, especially the Russian-Ukrainian conflict war situation. If you look at the big picture, the United States and the West will try everything to slander us, smear us in an attempt to confuse right and wrong, to shake our will, to win a just and decisive battle. We must give full play to public opinion, legal struggle, psychological war, i.e., you know, psyops, and militia teams to strengthen the guidance of public opinion and psychological protection and cohesion of patriotic support for the positive energy on the military front. Now, the translation here is not that, not that great. I'm not complaining. I mean, it's hard to translate Chinese into English. But what they're saying here is that they're going to have to run massive Chinese psychological warfare operations to convince their own people that they are justified in this war. And that's the same thing that Ukraine is doing. That's the same thing that Russia is doing. Same thing Western Europe is doing right now. This goes with any kind of warfare. But the thing about authoritarian societies is, since the leaders are not democratically elected, not that ours are either. I mean, our elections were rigged too. But in authoritarian societies, people tend to riot more quickly because they don't feel like they have representatives. They don't have a voice. They don't have any way to say no to the decisions being made by their government. So China's already talking about, you know, massive psyops. And then they say, quote, second, give full play to the advantages of the people's war, you know, to, to play up like war is good, right? Uh, fully learn from the experience of epidemic prevention and control in previous years. In other words, they're going to take everything they did to their citizens during COVID, which was brutal and which violated human rights but was highly, highly effective at silencing, you know, any dissent. And then, quote, fully mobilized grassroots organizations, widely mobilized cadres and masses, whatever that is, organized military, police, and civilian forces, launch grid control, create an atmosphere of national preparedness. 
improve the people's ability to withstand war and disaster so that the enemies and spies have no place to hide. Okay. What they're saying here essentially is that they're going to tell their citizens to be prepared for war. That they're going to turn all the, you know, plus uh, billion plus people in China into preppers. And they've done that before. They've said, you know, go out and get five days of food because a lockdown's coming. And the people run out and, you know, strip all the grocery store shelves. But at least the government of China tells its people, get ready because hard times are coming. Whereas the U.S. just lies to all of the, the American people, you know, the, the White House and the spokesperson that just lies. Oh, everything's great. You don't need to prepare. Everything's fine. Just constantly lying. So, you know, what? It's, it's bizarre because no matter what you think of the CCP or the PLA, at least they're telling their people to get ready. You know, you got to give them that point right there. Now, there's an entirely different section in this transcript that I did not read for you here. It talks about how they can recruit everybody to run all these naval vessels or these boats, you know, cargo boats, merchant vessels. And so on. they're even talking about just going out and recruiting all the fishermen, you know, it's, it's in the transcript to just throw them on these boats and say, you know, pilot these boats. Turns out right now, if you look at uh, ship tracking software, there are something like 25,000 merchant ships that are currently off the coast of China, not far from the Shenzhen region, you know, not far from, from Hong Kong. These ships are, are awaiting loads and they're sitting there because the ports have been shut down to civilian traffic. But these ships could be seized by China. And they could be used to transport, you know, troops and, and materials. And this is something that J.R. Nyquist uh, reiterated to me, that China has this massive uh, number of, of shipping assets that appear to be merchant vessels, because that's what they're used for. And that the invasion of America would follow the model of the Germans invading Norway in 1940. And the way the Germans pulled that off was they used merchant ships uh, that you know were essentially disguised as ships carrying regular commercial traffic. And using those merchant ships, they captured the ports first. And then they had a beachhead in Norway. And then they moved in and captured the airfields and so on. So this has been done before. Military ships disguised as merchant ships or commercial ships. <laughs> That's the combination of those two words. Merchel. Um, and then once you establish the beachhead, which in California, that would be the port of Long Beach, probably, but it could also just be on any beach in California. They don't necessarily need the ports at first. They could land a lot of the ships. Well, I mean, the, the landing craft from the ships directly on the beaches. Then their soldiers could go in and seize the ports. Once they have the ports, they can bring in the bigger vessels that need the ports for docking because they're deeper, obviously, and then they can start unloading tanks and heavy equipment, armored, you know, tracked vehicles, armored personnel carriers, artillery, all the whole rest of it. And then they could seize the airfields and so on. And especially since treasonous Governor Newsom would be cooperating with all of this and telling the National Guard to stand down, China will be unstoppable, at least at first in California. Now, there will be nuclear strikes used as part of this attack. Uh, that's 
according to J.R. Nyquist. Now, that's not in this transcript. That's based on China's war doctrine that Nyquist is an expert in studying. So the, the war doctrine says that the nuclear strikes actually come first to soften up you know, the inland targets. But these nuclear strikes don't necessarily have to be ICBMs. They could be short-range rockets. So these short-range rockets could be launched from containers, you know, shipping containers that are on cargo vessels that are parked off the shore of California. And all that has to happen is those cargo vessels need to come in uh, to something like, you know, under 100 kilometers away from the shore, which is still, you know, international waters. And from there, you know, the tops open up and the missiles come up and just launch these, uh, well, rockets that have small uh, tactical battlefield nukes as warheads. And then they nuke, you know, downtown Los Angeles or, or they nuke most likely the, the National Guard bases. They nuke the military assets in California. And then they land on the beaches offload their troops, seize the ports, bring in the heavy ships, and then they're unloading tanks. And then you're living in Chinese-occupied America at that point. And now the question becomes, how do you stop China's tanks when the Biden administration shipped all the freaking javelin anti-tank systems to Ukraine? Huh? And we can't make them anymore because we don't have the parts. You know, China's all talking about how they're going to have these supply chains and they're going to stockpile microchips and stockpile all the supplies. That's all in the transcript. America is just like, oh, let's send it to Ukraine and let the Russians blow it up, you know, because it's good for business. Un unreal. Now, another factor in all of this is that Canada has donated so much equipment to Ukraine that in Canada, the military divisions there have been stripped of hardware and vehicles and artillery and so on. And, and personnel, munitions, the whole deal. So Canada won't be able to defend itself as effectively as it normally would either, even if it wanted to. But then again, Justin Castro Trudeau is already in bed with China anyway. I mean, he's a traitor to the Canadian people. And, you know, the people of Canada are going to find this out. Well, most, most Canadians already know this, obviously. But the ones that don't are going to find it out real quick when China invades the west coast of of canada and just takes over here we are and uh they'll be paying off justin trudeau a little bonus money you know now there's something that just appeared in the news that's relevant to all of this this is from the cbc in canada here's the headline canada bans chinese tech giant huawei from 5g network the decision comes loaded with implications for national security and diplomacy. So this was published uh, May 19th, cbc.ca. So the federal government has banned Huawei from working on Canada's fifth generation networks over security concerns. So the move puts Canada in line with key intelligence allies like the United States, which have expressed concerns about the national security implications of giving the Chinese tech giant access to key infrastructure well so at least there's some somebody in canada is still wanting to not surrender the whole country to china so they blocked huawei well 
understand that, you know, Huawei was, again, China's cyber warfare backdoor into, well, a surveillance infrastructure to monitor all the traffic in Canada and in the United States and Europe also, but then also to have to assert control over those networks. In other words, to shut down all telecommunications right before China invades. So that's, you see the, the Huawei uh, network communications equipment, it all has remote kill switch capability. Okay. So it's surveillance, it's kill switch capabilities. It's also probably, it, it has, I would guess, although I can't prove this, it probably has a broadcast frequency capability to try to fry people with certain 5G frequencies. It's probably kind of like a, a beam weapon or electromagnetic weapon infrastructure that Huawei has control over because of the embedded systems and the malicious code. Now, there's something else relevant to all of this, and that is that, that China and Russia both have the capability to launch orbital EMPs as well, which could conceivably take out military satellites, which would then blind the United States from being able to see ICBM launches and to respond in time. So the weapon systems that are in place from China and Russia are quite elaborate. And at any given time, they could take down the telecommunications infrastructure. They could conceivably take out satellites. They could conceivably launch, you know, fuel air explosives against Western Europe. We talked about that the other day or an EMP attack over the continental United States, taking out the entire national power grid. Now, the only reason you might ask, well, why don't they just do that anyway? Why bother invading America when they could just launch an EMP? Here's the reason. An EMP would take down the power grid and it would cause multiple nuclear power plants in America to achieve criticality and basically have a meltdown because, you know, the electronics would be fried for running uh, coolant pumps and so on. You know, they have to slowly cool the nuclear power plants. And if you don't do that, you get a Fukushima or a Chernobyl. And then that contaminates the farmland for 300 years because of the cesium-137. So China doesn't want to use an EMP on America because it would contaminate the farmland. That's, that's really the only reason that I can think of. It would contaminate the waterways, the farmland, the cities, all the rest of it. China wants to seize America without damaging the land. China needs the land, obviously. China needs the water. China needs the oil. China needs the resources of North America. So they can't have a nuclear contamination accident, especially across you know dozens of states or, or wherever all the nukes are. They can't have that. So they have to seize America intact. And the only way to do that is to put lots of made-in-China boots on the ground and roll out lots of you know, Chinese drones and, and you know, Chinese tanks and everything and try to conquer America the hard way, which is on the ground. Now, you want more proof that Biden is in on this? Biden, the, the traitor Biden? Check this out. Go to breakingdefense.com. Here's a story, the headline, Biden administration kills Trump-era nuclear cruise missile program. Subhead, after conducting the upcoming nuclear posture review, the Biden administration has chosen to end the sea-launched cruise missile program, a senior Pentagon official said. 
So this, the Pentagon's 2023 budget request zeroes out funding for the so-called SLCM-N program, uh, according to a senior official. Essentially, this program would give U.S. destroyers the ability to have nuclear warhead cruise missiles, which could be launched from sea and which would be the perfect weapon to take out a Chinese flotilla of landing craft or cargo ships that are running a D-Day invasion. Biden shut down this program, although Trump had, had funded it. So why, why would the Biden regime be reducing funding for America's cruise, uh, nuclear cruise missiles that could be launched from naval vessels, while at the same time, $40 billion is being sent to Ukraine? Think about it. No money for U.S. innovative defense programs and nuclear missiles, but plenty of money for Ukraine. No money for the U.S. border, plenty of money for Ukraine. America's ICBMs are really outdated. Our nuclear missiles are, they're just, they're obsolete, frankly. And, it, you know, if we don't innovate new weapon systems, then we can't defend America. And that's actually where we are right now. And it, that's where we are by design, based on people like Barack Obama and Joe Biden and the Democrats, you know, and the sellouts like Governor Newsom and so on, who have all sold us out and have tried to make America weak. So that all the dots are getting connected here because those, those would have been the tactical cruise missile uh, warheads that would be needed to defend America against a, an attempted Chinese invasion. Now, understand that once China achieves a beachhead in California, or they come up you know, through Mexico and down from uh, Canada, and so that would put Chinese troops in Washington State, Oregon, California, and they would start to move eastward from there. Understand that the entire population of the United States is about 330 million people. China can deploy over time about 100 million troops. That's that, I confirmed that with J.R. Nyquist also. China doesn't have 100 million troops right this minute, but but over a little bit of time, they could, they could wrangle up 100 million soldiers. That would be one Chinese soldier for every three Americans of all ages and professions and so on, you know, women and children and grandmas and accountants and everybody else in between. 100 million soldiers could be streaming in through California because of the traitor Newsom. How would America handle 100 million so, or even 10 million for that matter. You realize the entire conflict in Russia is uh, it's a few hundred thousand troops on, on Russia's side and on Ukraine's side. You know, it's, it's, I think it's under a million total. I'm pretty sure it's under a million total. It's, a, it's several hundreds of thousands. China can bring, you know, a hundred times that to the United States in terms of men. And what equipment would they have? Well, again, China is the manufacturing hub of the world, so they can make the rifles, the bullets, the drones, the surveillance equipment, the night vision optics, I mean, on and on, the vehicles, all of it. And a lot of that is because former U.S. presidents like Bill Clinton transferred key technology to China because they're all traders, of course. 
And Barack Obama did the same thing. But all this technology went to China. And so did the Bush family as well. And frankly, you know, the, the original betrayal started with Nixon switching recognition from Taiwan to China. It was that decision that resulted in China being built up into the world power that it is today. So Nixon and almost all the presidents, not, not Trump and probably not Reagan either, but almost all the presidents actually betrayed America and built up China while America became weaker and weaker and weaker over time. And that led us to where we are right now. So I also learned from my contacts that Russia is preparing a major expansion of its war effort in Ukraine. Russia is currently recruiting hundreds of thousands of additional troops. There has been, well, unconfirmed uh, rumors of a general activation of military deployment orders that have gone out to Russian men. Uh, there have been some photos of that, of the letters and so on circulating online. Can't 100% confirm it, but it seems likely that that's happening. But Russia is preparing for mass mobilization of at least hundreds of thousands of additional troops. It could be a million or more. But Russia doesn't have anywhere near the population of China. So Russia is you know, more limited. And also Russia desperately needs more training. Because, you know, you can't just drag people out of their jobs in the bakery or wherever and then throw them in a tank. It do doesn't work that way. They have to be trained. So what's actually shaping up here, folks, is Russia's preparing for World War III. And Russia is uh, Russia intends to use battlefield tactical nuclear weapons against uh, Poland but Russia needs to gain more territory first in order to do that. And I'm going to be interviewing again J.R. Nyquist and asking him for more details about Russia's posture and also Russia's intent on using battlefield uh, tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, some of those are launched from, you know, short-range rockets, for example. They don't have to be ICBMs. Or, or essentially, you could say like rocket artillery with nuclear warheads, relatively small warheads, but nuclear nonetheless. So, so Russia's expanding big time. America and Western Europe are staging a massive amount of men and hardware in Poland, getting ready for a massive counter-assault against Russia, which would happen, according to my best information, this July or August. And then China, depending on how much you believe about this transcript, is preparing for some kind of a D-Day invasion of what may be the United States, but not yet proven to be the United States. Seems like what they're talking about is overkill if it's just Taiwan. They're talking about something much bigger than invading Taiwan. And it's also known that the, their doctrine, China's wartime doctrine, is known that they would rather take out the USA first and then Taiwan second after the USA is taken out because then Taiwan would fall easily without America's defense. So there's no reason for China to invade Taiwan first and risk the retaliation of America. They, sh they would just invade America first, especially when they've got their puppet Joe Biden in charge who could just order the military to stand down. You know, Biden was, what invasion? There's no invasion. And I'm sure the Washington Post, there's no invasion. Meanwhile, you know, a million troops have landed in Long Beach and in California, but the New York Times would say, no, it's just a drill. It's... Uh, 
It's not an invasion because, you know, they lie about everything. What invasion? It's just a million Chinese troops. They're here for a food rescue mission. You know, I'm, I'm sure they would use that. It's like they brought baby food with them. That's it's, it's troops with baby food. It's a rescue mission. You should be happy. You know, the media's our corporate media in America. They're all treasonous war criminals. As far as I'm concerned, they've already betrayed America over and over and over again. They went along with the rigged election. They went along with the, the fake Russia collusion hoax against Trump. They've gone along with every treasonous lie. They would go along with the big one too. Even as China invades America, they would say it's not happening. It's a conspiracy theory. You know, even as the tanks are rolling off the ships. Now, do not forget that as all this is happening, China is also stockpiling all of its raw materials, food, fuel, microchips, everything that you can imagine. Now, if you are still skeptical about all of this, let me bring in something else that will blow your mind. Remember yesterday I talked about how Joe Biden had seized control over domestic food resources under the Defense Production Act. That's the 1950 law during the Korean War that gives the executive branch uh, emergency authorization to control the means of production. Basically, it's the nationalization of domestic production of anything they want. It could be food, it could be vehicles, steel, clothing, you name it. Well, guess what else just happened? Yesterday, this is from the Epoch Times, House passes fuel price gouging measure. Okay, now the headline doesn't really tell the whole story, but let me let me explain this. The House of Representatives passed the Consumer Fuel Price Gouging Prevention Act by a vote of 217 to 207, moving the country closer to greater government involvement in energy markets as gasoline prices soar to new heights. The legislation, H.R. 7688, would allow, they say President Joe Biden, um, I say fake president, to declare a, quote, energy emergency. This would allow the FTC to target people who sell fuel at a price that's judged to be, quote, unconscionably excessive, <laughs> which, and which, who decides that? Uh, or which indicates the seller is exploiting the circumstances related to an emergency, an energy emergency to increase prices unreasonably. So in essence, what this says is that the FTC can decide what price gasoline must be sold at. And anyone who sells it higher than that would be, I guess, fined, shut down, have their bank accounts seized. I mean, what arrested? Uh, uh, it's not clear to me what, what the consequences are if the FTC targets you and says, oh, your prices are too high. But do you understand that this is a fuel price control law? They call it a price gouging measure, but gouging is whatever they say it is. Just like their Ministry of Truth Disinformation Board, they, you know, they say they have a monopoly on facts. Well, maybe they're going to say that, well, all gasoline should be limited to $5 a gallon. Well, what if the cost of production is $8 a gallon? You know, for because of scarcity and the lack of refining capabilities and everything else, everything is happening in the world. Well, if you charge $8.20 a gallon because you want to make 20 cents, is the FTC going to come shut you down? And the answer is yes. 
You see, what just happened with the House passing this is essentially what's going to lead to the communist-style nationalization of oil in the United States. And yesterday, it was something moving towards the nationalization of the food supply. So in just two days, the federal government has seized control over food in America and now fuel in America, at least as, as soon as this is signed into law, which it will be. You understand what's happening? We're being turned into a communist nation due to the crisis. All they have to do is declare an energy crisis. Oh, declare a pandemic crisis. Declare a food shortage crisis. You see how this works, right? They just declare an emergency, and then they just activate their communism. And before you know it, we end up in a centrally planned economy where nothing works and nothing is available because the government is running price controls. So. Yeah, maybe the government's going to say, well, all gasoline should be $5 a gallon. And the, the American people will cheer, yay, you know, because it's going to go up much higher than that. Let's say it's $10 a gallon. And then the government says, you know, five is the max. So for one day, everybody will go, yay, $5 a gallon. And then the next day, they will all be asking, where did all the gas go? You know why? You know why there's no gas? <laughs> because producers aren't going to sell it at a loss. So if they can't make a profit refining gas, distributing gas, selling gas, they will stop carrying gas. They're like, screw this. I'm not going to lose $5 a gallon for every gallon that I sell because the government has price fixing on this. I'll just get out of the gas business. I mean, that's what's going to happen. This, this always happens when price controls kick in. And I've made this prediction. You've heard me talk about this. In months past, you know, when the government puts price controls on bread, what happens to bread? Oh, it vanishes. Because who's going to make bread at a loss? Who's going to make gasoline at a loss? Price controls mean instant scarcity. It's gone. So what's the most expensive gas in the world? It's the gas you can't get. <laughs> like you would gladly pay $10 a gallon at some point, but it's fixed at $5 a gallon and you just can't get any because it's gone because nobody's making it. Why would you make it at a loss, right? So that this is coming now too. This is, we are, again, we are slowly moving into a communist economy with government controls over the means of production, government control over food and energy and transportation and speech, you know, with the Ministry of Truth. And just about everything else that you can think of, of course, the money supply, all of it, total government control, nationalization of these industries. And this is only going to lead to total collapse, which is the perfect setup for China to invade and take down a United States that is weakened, where we don't have any fuel, where we have food scarcity, where we, we have you know, social unrest, race riots food riots, who knows where we're going to be by November. And have you noticed, folks, that there's never any price gouging legislation targeting Big Pharma? Notice that? Like, Big Pharma can price gouge all they want. You know, those, those EpiPen injections that used to be $25 and then they went up to, like, $400? <laughs> yeah, this, government's not going to do anything about that. 
now or medications from Pfizer. They just go up like 500%. Oh, well, you know, got to have the money for research. They say there's no price gouging legislation targeting big pharma. It's only targeting big oil. You notice that. Why is that? Well, because big pharma is protected by the government. Big oil is on the enemies list of this government regime that's trying to shut down the energy infrastructure in order to destroy America. All in the name of going green, of course. Got to be green. We're going to go green if it kills us, which it will. If you shut down all your oil and fossil fuels and diesel, you're going to die. You're going to die from starvation. But that's exactly what they want, you see. So are the pieces of this puzzle starting to click now? Because for me, it's, and what I just laid out for you here is the short version of this, trying to make it in about an hour or so. But is it, is it clicking for you? You see in the big, big picture, China and Russia are working together. Their common enemy is the United States. Russia launched a war to pull in NATO and the U.S., so that the U.S. would empty its military resources domestically, setting up an invasion from China. China will use the commercial ships to stage an invasion, launch rockets off the coast of California. They've already bribed Newsom and other traders to let them in. They establish a beachhead. They roll out their troops and tanks and just start sweeping across America. And where they want to get is to the farmlands. They really want to take all of America and they will execute every American that they find. This is the possibility that, that we're looking at right now. And my interview with John Moore covers this in quite a bit of detail. That should be posted, I think, by Monday. And then, uh, again, my interview with J.R. Nyquist is happening today at 2 p.m. on Infowars.com. Uh, some of it may repeat what I've talked about here, but we're going to hear it from J.R. Nyquist's point of view. And I think he'll share a lot of new information with us on this as well. Now, you, you might wonder, well, you know, what about the Second Amendment and all of the hundreds of millions of guns that the American people have? How's China going to deal with that? Well, the answer is armor, of course. <laughs> I mean, you can't shoot tanks with your hunting rifle and do much damage. And plus, China's going to have an overwhelming number of troops like I don't know, 10 to one or something, you know, I mean, maybe more depending on where you are and, and how many troops they've unloaded at that time. But China can just flood America with troops and guns and bullets and armor and drones and, until you're just overrun. And yeah, the United States military has tanks and, you know, A-10 warthogs and all kinds of uh, equipment, you know, Apache helicopters and so on. But what if we're all given the order to stand down by Biden? Is the Pentagon going to follow that order? Of course they will, because the Pentagon leaders are also traitors. They're anti-American traitors and woke tards too, but that's a different topic. You know, marching around in their high heels saying, oh, you know, we're, we're standing down. Biden says so. And then how many pieces of American military hardware rely on circuit boards from China or, or parts from China? How long will an F-35 fly without maintenance? And the answer is about five seconds. You know, how long does an Abrams tank operate without 
a supply chain of spare parts? And the answer is like maybe an hour. You know, these, all this high-tech military equipment requires constant maintenance. How long does an Apache helicopter fly without maintenance? And answer is zero seconds. It doesn't get off the ground without maintenance. I mean, these, these are complex machines with very long supply chains and they require specialized personnel, military personnel that maintain these things and take them apart, inspect the parts, replace the parts, put them back together, test them. It's a constant thing. I mean, for every pilot flying an Apache helicopter, there's probably 25 people on the ground keeping that chopper running, you know? that I mean, that may not be the exact number, but it's something like that. The ground crew vastly outnumbers the pilots. You can't just walk up to a helicopter that you find on the tarmac. Yeah, let's just take this into war. No, it probably won't even fly. I mean, this is why it's good for American citizens to own some 50 cal Barretts or other 50 cal bolt action rifles. Get yourself some 50 caliber ammo if you have a strong enough uh, shoulder to handle those rounds when they go off. They, they put a, a big boom in your face. All kinds of dust flows back. It's it's like a grenade just went off on the ground in front of you. Um, kaboom. And there's a concussive blast also that comes out of the barrel of the Barrett. Uh, that I, I'm somewhat terrified of firing that rifle, actually. It's that, that's why I prefer the 338 Lapua Magnum, because that's easy for me to handle. The 50 cal scares me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> now, if it were mounted on a, on a, on a vehicle, that's different. I'm talking about a 50 cal bolt action where you're in the prone position on the ground and you pull that trigger and it's just like, boom, oh my gosh, uh, something exploded. But these rifles are good at taking out enemy vehicles. I'm, I'm not talking armored vehicles, but, you know, command vehicles and so on. They do a lot of damage. There are quite a lot of Barretts all over America. So I don't know. We're going to be in a guerrilla warfare scenario. Or is the U.S. military going to be working with China to take out the American people, you see? Huh? Have you thought about that? The DOJ declaring that the American uprising against China is an act of terrorism? I wouldn't be surprised, would you? The DOJ, see, here's how that could happen. China invades, Joe Biden surrenders to China. And then whoever's still fighting the guerrilla war would be declared an enemy of the peace accord between the U.S. and China that gives China half of the continental United States. So if you're still fighting for America in a guerrilla war, you're now considered a terrorist, even though you're defending your nation. That's, I mean, you can see that happening, right? Because the Biden regime is su such a bunch of traitors and the DOJ the same way. Probably your own American Government people would hunt you down and try to kill you if you were trying to kill invading Chinese troops or something. That's how crazy it, it would likely get. You know, one more thought on all this is you understand the Democrats cannot allow the midterm elections to take place. And that's why the timing of this, you know, when people like J.R. Nyquist say that he thinks this may happen by November 1st, that timing makes sense because if this election is held, the Democrats are going to be completely rejected by the American people. I mean, if the election is held and if it's allowed to be honest, but a lot of states have passed new laws disallowing uh, vote ballot stuffing and vote by mail schemes and all kinds of things or requiring voter ID, you know, things like that. 
So it's going to be harder for the Democrats to cheat now compared to the cheating they did in 2020, which means the Democrats are desperately looking for a reason to cancel the elections. Well, there's no better reason than uh, we just got invaded by a foreign power. That would cancel the election, wouldn't it? If Chinese troops land in California, yeah, elections would be canceled. So the Democrats would just declare war and then stay in power in perpetuity, even as they are cooperating with the communist Chinese, surrendering America to the Chinese, surrendering us, in other words. You think that treason is going to stop just because we get invaded by China? No. The treasonous actors in Washington, D.C. and the treasonous mayors and the treasonous governors, they're not going to stop being traitors just because we're being invaded. They're going to go along with it. Again, because they hate America. They'll fly the, the communist Chinese flag. I mean, they fly the, you know, the Nazi flags of the Azov Battalion right now. That they, they won't fly the American flag, but they'll gladly fly the communist Chinese flag, you see. And they'll think that they're going to be better under communism. They'll think that up until the day that, that they are shot in the head by a communist Chinese soldier. Because that's the plan for every American shot in the head, executed on sight. So the only way to stop this, as far as I can tell, other than, you know, divine intervention, the only way to stop this is if the white hats take down the, the illegitimate uh, treasonous actors who rigged the election and stole the White House and placed themselves in power. If they are removed from power and the rightful winner of the 2020 election is put back in place, i.e. President Trump, then China would probably back off because Trump would put things in place immediately. But we have to have a watershed moment in this country where anybody who's got an ounce of patriotism still remaining wakes up and realizes, oh my God, if we stay on this course, we lose the country. We lose America. So all the traitors in the DOJ and the FBI who are working for the regime, do you realize that you're gone too when China takes over the whole country, that the communist Chinese troops will also execute you? You do realize that, right? You do not win by going along with the regime. The only way you win, the only way, I mean, even those of you in the Pentagon listening to this, the only way you have a pension is if America continues to exist. The only way you have a job, the only way you have a life even a family, is if America continues to exist. If China takes over America, which they're getting ready to do, you lose everything. You lose your family, you lose your country, your pension, your dollar, your currency, your savings, your power, your military, everything. You lose everything because you're dead. And all your family's dead. You have no future. I mean, you are exterminated. Your, your entire lineage is exterminated if China gets its way. You understand? That's the plan, right? So what are you, why are you going along with this? Why are you going along with the rigged elections? Why are you going along with the destruction of America? Why are you going along with an illegitimate criminal regime that stole the White House and is using it to destroy America from within? Why are you still following orders from a so-called commander-in-chief who can't probably command his own underwear? What, why? What are you waiting for? This is the last moment of opportunity to save America. We are right at the precipice right now. 
And if we don't act now to restore due process in elections, and if we don't restore the Constitution, we don't restore small, honest government instead of massive, oversized, arrogant government, then we are gone, not even from within. We're gone from foreign enemies that take advantage of the vulnerabilities that stem from these conditions. I mean, it's, it's not that, that Biden necessarily is going to destroy us domestically. It's that China is looking on and saying, now is the time to strike. Look how weak they are. Look how pathetic the Pentagon is. Look, their president doesn't even know what day it is. Can't even speak. You know, China's probably thinking, well, originally we were going to attack in the year 2030, but now with Biden there, how can we, how can we miss this opportunity? I mean, this is, they're just handing it to us, low-hanging fruit to invade America. I mean, the Pentagon has basically no capability of defending the nation. They can't even defend their own border. That's what China's saying. A nation can't even defend its own border. How's it going to defend itself against an invasion of 100 million Chinese troops, huh? How? It's not going to happen. You might say, well, you know, the, the U.S. Uh, Navy, the submarines will, will nuke Beijing. Well, I'm pretty sure that the nuclear codes have to come from, from Biden, don't they? I mean, I think the president has the, the nuclear football. Those are the codes. You can't launch nukes without Biden's approval. And, and Biden's not even in charge of Biden, much less the nuclear codes. Who's in charge? Probably Barack Obama, who's been setting up this moment for decades. You know, CIA-raised traitor. Put America in this position while handing over money to Iran so that Iran could have nuclear weapons to threaten Israel, by the way, on top of all this. Yeah, we'll have war in the Middle East, war with Russia, and war with China all at the same time, thanks to people like Obama. That Democrats voted for, by the way, because they wanted to have a black president. No, seriously, they, they wanted someone whose skin color was dark rather than someone who would defend America. And as a result, this is what you get. You get the end of your country because you voted based on race instead of merit. Not that John McCain was any better. <laughs> Mind you, John McCain was just a white traitor instead of a black traitor. But if, if we vote based on skin color, we're a doomed nation anyway. Should vote based on merit. So I am going to give credit to our sponsor here today, the Satellite Phone Store, just because if we're in a time of war or if the Huawei circuits take down the cell towers, it's going to be immensely useful to have backup satellite communications. And that's what the Bivy Stick is all about, two-way satellite text messaging. Emergency use, everyday use. I mean, it's unlimited messaging. You can check it out at sat123.com. That's sat123.com. Check out the Bivy Stick. Now, of course, if the satellites all get taken out by, you know, orbital EMP weapons, then probably the satellite messaging will not function. But if the satellites get taken down, we're in World War III in a bad way. And probably the cell networks are down. Probably the power grid is down. And, well, then that's when you, you lock and load your rifle, get ready for the invasion at that point, I guess. But in, in just a power grid outage situation or a cell phone 
you know, network takedown, uh, the, the satellite option is a very important option and it works no matter where you are. So even if you're out in the wilderness, you're on a ship in the ocean, out in the desert somewhere away from cell towers, you can still send and receive text messages on these bivy sticks. I can just see some of you in California, you got the bivy sticks like your first message. Uh, click, 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 click. Chinese tanks approaching from the West. <laughs> Please send help. <laughs> ah, you should have got out of California sooner, you know. Um, woo, not a good situation. Make sure you all have bug out bags and exfil routes and everything. Seriously, if you're close to the coast, make sure you have a way to get out just in case this happens. I, I, I pray to God this doesn't happen. And there's no certainty that it will. But I don't know. Read the transcript yourself. See what you think. They're, they're preparing for something big. So that's my report for today, and uh, I'm sorry it's 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 such uh, dire news, but you know you've seen the circumstances that have led us to this point in history, and you know if, as we say, you know elections have consequences and stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. Well, here we are. These are the catastrophic consequences. This is what happens when traitor Mike Pence doesn't stand up and reject the fraudulent votes from the states uh what was that day uh, on january 6 right <laughs> this is what happens when the gop doesn't fight for election integrity and just lays down which is what the gop has done most of the time most of the people not all of them we got marjorie taylor green rocking the boat right now we got jim jordan out there and some some good people but uh by and large the gop has been a bunch of spineless cowards this entire time just and don't even get me started about Lindsey Graham or Mitch McConnell. Oh my God, just some of some of the sleaziest uh, rhinos imaginable. Not good people. But this is what happens when the GOP doesn't fight for America. You end up in a situation like this, and then it's over for the country. So let's hope that some good people gain power real soon and reinstall civility and liberty and constitutional protections and a sense of national defense for our country or it's over for America. So get prepared, read your Bible, stock up on ammo, especially the 50 caliber kind. Um, be ready, you know, have your backup radios and your telecom, your satellite messaging, whatever you need, gold and silver. Get ready, folks, because we don't have long left. Thank you for listening. Use the weekend wisely. God willing, I'll talk to you again on Monday, if not sooner. Take care. A global reset is coming. And that's why I've recorded a new nine-hour audiobook. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the naturalnews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide, it's free, it's my gift to you, simply because I want like-minded people to survive.